738 News Radio 92, three informers local, dependable 38 degrees. Goodness. <laughs> Not right. I, yesterday I got, you know, I got up in the morning and it was like 60 and I had put on shorts and a sweater and then I was filling up my car with gas. I'm like, I did not adequately prepare for this experience. Uh, <laughs> so that was yesterday and today is even worse. So yay for us. Uh, but it's still not Buffalo. Let's just be glad about that. It can always be worse. It could always be uh, Vancouver. All right. Uh, Mike Wood is a public information officer for the Pensacola Police Department. Always joins us Thursday at about this time. Mike, welcome back, sir. Good morning. All right, all right, Mike, first question, um, what is the Pensacola Police Department doing, if anything, to protect us from this suddenly discovered asteroid this afternoon? Any, uh, what, what, what do you got for me? We're going to put on our helmets. <laughs> That's about all we can do. Because <laughs> that, that will be adequate for the uh, interstellar um, particles. Okay, good, good. Good to know there's a plan. No, I, I joke, but, I, you know, anyway, I just... You know, <laughs> there's not much you can do. I know. Yes. I know. <laughs> we, the, uh, I'm going to say it. Slow week and good. I love slow weeks because that means that people aren't getting victimized, which is good. And the one story that did kind of percolate up to our uh, awareness was of one that turned out not to be a story. Joe Patty's right. Yeah. You know, we originally reported this as and it was reported to us as a theft of a purse uh, by the victim. And so detectives, they don't waste any time. They get on this. If they can find surveillance photos and videos, uh, they get on it. They get that out to the public, and that's exactly what we did. We were under the uh, understanding that it was a theft of a purse. And uh, when that individual was put out there, she called and said, uh, called back and said, wait a minute, I, I had that purse, and I took it back to the owner. So there was actually no theft at all. She was a, a good Samaritan that found the purse, that found ID. Uh, in fact, there was photo ID in the purse, so she took that uh, purse and secured it in her car. She went back inside Joe Patty's to try to find uh, the owner of the purse. She didn't have any luck with that, but she did uh, find an address in the purse, and uh, which was a Gulf Breeze address, and this person that found the purse lived in Navarre. She's headed that way anyway, so she thought she'd stop by and return the purse the same day, and that's what she did. It had medication in it. She felt like she had to get it there quickly. Uh, the only problem, and that's a great story, but the only problem is that the victim never called us back to let us know she got her purse back, so uh-huh. we are still under the assumption that a purse was stolen. We still have the photos out to the media uh, looking for this person. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a problem, but it ended up with a good, happy ending. So you guys never even – did you actually interview or talk to this lady who was the Good Samaritan? Yes, we have. Oh, okay. And, uh, yes, yes, we have. And she you know, she did the right thing. She uh, saw the purse on the parking lot, picked it up and secured it and tried to find the owner. But, uh, yeah, so there was a little bit of a gap in there as to what actually happened. And as soon as we found out, then we made that correction. Did um, did the officers who talked to her have any leftover gift goodies from the um, – what do you guys call it in, in December when you do the um, you find, reward good behavior? There's a name for it. I can't remember the name of it. It's Police Navidad. Police Navidad. And, yeah, we were fresh out of the – you know what? We were fresh out of the cards, but we need to put her on top of the list uh, for the 2023 version of Police yeah. Navidad because she sure – does deserve a, a gift card. Yeah, that's a good point. And and especially because you know she had her her photo all over social media, and it wasn't her fault. You know she did a good thing, and you know so that's uh you know let, let's find a, a small thing if we can do to uh, to reward her. That'd be great. You did have a um I guess what was it a story about somebody pickpocketing or rummaging through people's purses or something at the bo- big box stores? What happened here? 
Yeah, so we've only had one report of this so far in Pensacola, but we do know about it in other places in the Panhandle. And what's going on is people are following um, uh, mostly females in stores, uh, uh, Sam's Club, Walmart, places like that, and they're looking for purses being left unzipped in shopping carts. And if they follow them long enough, they'll get distracted, they'll go get something off the shelf, maybe talk to someone on a cell phone and turn their back toward that person. When that happens, the individual uh, will take something out of the purse and leave. So we're just wanting to make sure uh, that these uh, that these ladies will keep those uh, purses zipped up and keep an eye on them while they're in the store because there may be somebody just following you around waiting for an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I, and I have seen women do this before where, you know, I look, I understand, you know, tracking all your possessions and, you know, the purse is a functional item and all of that, but you, you, you have to treat a store like an environment where thieves could be around you, unfortunately. And, you know, don't just don't leave stuff laying there <laughs> or, you know, especially when you turn your back or walk down the aisle. Cause I know the mindset is, well, I'm just going to be a second. Well, that's as much as it takes. But also all of these stores have robust security systems. So you got to imagine these thieves know they're going to be on video, right? Yeah, they do. But and then we believe that Sometimes they're from out of town. They come in town. They make oh, these, okay. these uh, hits, and then they leave. And this one particular situation, the a credit card was run up. I think it was between three or five thousand dollars before she realized it was gone. So uh, they do it very quickly. They know the card's going to get taken down or you know disabled quickly. So they make their move and they get as much as they can off of it as fast as they can. I, I, in my mind, because my brain thinks this way, I imagine PPD spearheading the effort to distribute to women across the nation fake credit cards that they can lay on the top of their purse that immediately notify the police to come to the store to arrest the user? <laughs> like bait cards? That'd be nice. <laughs> I know it's not going to happen, but it would be fun to see. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting, I think it was about two weeks ago, maybe I'm wrong on the time frame, but I got a phone call from PPD. I got a text message from PPD. I got multiple phone calls and texts about a, uh, and this was not through the like normal Amber Alert system, but this was, you know, to my phone calls and texts. I had never heard of that happening before. Tell me about this system. Yeah, it's just it's like the the reverse nine one one. When we have a child missing, um, we're going to get the information out as quickly as we can to everybody because somebody is going to see that that individual. Somebody's going to see that child. So that's how that works. Decisions are made through um, our supervisors and dispatch to uh, get that going as quickly as we can. And fortunately, it worked out well. Uh, in this particular situation that you're talking about. What was the child found because of somebody getting one of those notifications? Because I don't think we got an Amber Alert at the same time, unless I'm mistaken, uh, or do we know? I don't believe that there was an Amber Alert issued. Uh, I was out of town at the time, okay. but I believe my understanding is that that, that uh, child was found uh, very quickly after that went out. I'm and, not sure of the particulars of it. And it's fairly, it's geographically fairly specific, right? But it's, I mean, it's not like all of Escambia County, but it is maybe a mile or two radius. Is that is that right? Yeah, so you can pick the, the area. A lot of times that's done on um, zip codes and, and other ways, but uh, we certainly don't want, you know, in the middle of the night to wake up everybody in northwest Florida with this. We're going to try to concentrate it on areas where we believe that child may be or may be headed. Yeah, and I talked to other people who said they saw it and they got out there looking, and, I mean, you know, it, I, it was just different. I had never seen that before, and I was uh, kind of curious kind of how that all came about or how it turned out. Uh, Mike, we're talking to Mike Wood, the uh, public information officer for PPD. Mike, Mike, uh, Chief um, Randall was asked a question in the city council meeting about the new two CRA police officers. And specifically what he was asked was, 
how many beats are there in the city? And then how are resources used within those beats? And how does that change when, for example, you get uh, an incident out or a major incident out, you know, kind of, and that's like, like understanding how policing works kind of thing is one of the things that we always try to do with folks. So can you maybe just take a second and as much as you can in that short time, explain how beats work in the city of Pensacola? Yeah, you're correct. They are 11 beats, and some people, some departments call them districts, patrol districts. Um, We have 11 of them. The 11th one is the airport, airport property itself. So beats 1 through 10 are in various parts of the city. Um, And then within those beats, we have what's called reporting areas. So we can uh, we can nail down exactly where a certain problem is is happening on what beat and what reporting area. That way, we're able to concentrate on those areas and help solve that problem. So um, it's it's been that way. The the, the beats or the, the districts have been the same for for many years. An officer is responsible, uh, works that same area every day, so he gets to know that uh, that beat, that area, the people that live there, the people that have businesses there, and uh, and that comes from the community policing aspect that that began many years ago. Sure. And then when, like you say, if there's an incident in, say, beat two, I don't know what where that would be, but uh, then the other beats that are close by, especially geographically close by, which might be you're at the edge of your own beat or whatever, so I get all that, um, there's a kind of a collapsing effect where they, they come to back up, come to help, and depending on the size of the report is how many other people are drawn off of their beat to come back up that one, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, that's why when we're short, an officer might have two beats, but, um, you know, to have to cover those. But we try to uh, have one or two. And a lot of times we have officers that roam. Uh, a lot of our canine officers will do that, that will go from beat to beat and just and respond to all of them. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of times they'll stay central. And uh, to give you a, a visual, beat one is up on the north end, like Ninth Avenue to Olive. Okay. And then beat 10 is before you go over the Brancus Bridge and it goes down through that direction. Okay, the, the so beat numbers generally. Generally, it's a top to southwest, and there's kind of a distribution of the numbers throughout. Okay, well, that, that actually helps. I, did, I didn't know that, so I, I appreciate that. Last thing we always like to do with you is a, uh, a cop myth or a did you know. Do you have one for me this week? Yeah, and this one comes from the Supreme Court. It's about uh, the use of force, and the Supreme Court says whether an officer's use of force is justified or not should be judged not by the benefit of hindsight, but by whether other officers with similar amounts of training and the same facts before them find that same amount of force to be reasonable. So uh, you would wonder, you know, why would you have police officers looking and and deciding whether the use of force is justifiable uh, for other police officers? And that's why uh, they're trained in that. Uh, They know, let's take like a a straight arm bar takedown uh, to an average person. That kind of looks mean. It kind of looks rough when actually it's very humane and very few injuries come from uh, something like that in order to get a person to the ground and get them handcuffed. Uh, so, yeah, it's gone all the way up to the Supreme Court, and they decided that it's okay to have the professionals that are also police officers that are highly trained in the use of force to decide whether an officer did, in fact, use uh, abusive force or not. And, and that's, you know, uh, we do the same thing when we're thinking about uh, citizens, for example, use of force if they use a gun or something like that is, you know, what's reasonable, right? I talk with Sheriff Simmons all the time about this. You know, what's reasonable for the person in the circumstance based not on what we learn afterwards with all of our extensive investigation, but what on they what they could have or should have known at the time. No, that's, that's actually really helpful. I didn't know that at all. Uh, Mike Wood, he is the public information officer for the Pensacola Police Department. As always, Mike, thanks for the information. Thanks for keeping us safe. Safe, especially from the asteroids, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, and wear your helmet. <laughs> that's, just, that's just good life advice right there.